Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Co-op Couch, the Arnie's gaming series. I'm Austin Terry, and as always, I'm joined by my player two, Matt Johnson. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. It's been a big month for games, which means we got a big episode here for you all out there listening, so I'm super excited to be here. It's been a good week. I'm energized and ready to chat. All right, well, on today's show, we will be discussing some of the biggest news announced at E3 2021, including the surprise announcement of Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Back for Blood's cheesy new trailers, and Xbox's massive plans for Game Pass. But before we get to all that good stuff, Matt, what have you been playing lately? Hmm, good question. I think I really only have two updates. One of them is not technically an update because we talked about it last month, but Regardless, I've been playing Mass Effect Legendary Edition still, and at this point, I have completed all three, all the DLC, all that good stuff, so I finished my new journey. I'm going to talk about that just for a little bit here in a sec. And then other than that, I actually, as Austin knows, I'm a big fan of Final Fantasy VII Remake, and they actually not only released the PS5 version of the game, which obviously runs a lot better, looks way better, and all that good stuff, but they also released a new story DLC that kind of bridges the gap between the first game and what we can expect in the sequel, so I definitely played that as well, and I'm even more excited for more in this series than I was before. What about yourself? I have Final Fantasy VII downloaded, and I'm through the first chapter, but I, I still have a bunch more to play through. Um, as for me, just like you, I finished up the Mass Effect Legendary Edition with Mass Effect 3, and I have been diving headfirst into the new Ratchet & Clank game exclusive to PS5. Nice. That's one of those series that's been around for, jeez, I don't know, like 20 years maybe at this point. And it's also one that I have never played a single second of any of like the 10 games there are. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts about this one. Yeah, and I have good news for you because I also have never played a single second of Ratchet & Clank and you don't have to for the new one. The new one is kind of a spiritual reboot. Um, it takes place in kind of a new dimension for the series, from what I understand. There's also a new character named Rivet, who you switch between her and Ratchet. And um, Ratchet and Clank definitely still have their history that you can pick up on immediately. But I don't feel like I have missed out on anything by not having played the other games. So it's certainly easily accessible. It looks incredible on the PS5. It runs amazing. Um, the way they use the haptic controller is really cool. Every gun feels different and has a different trigger squeeze. And there's also no load times at all. So it's it's a pretty incredible experience and really shows off the new capabilities of the new consoles. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. I'm definitely going to play it. I want to kind of get into it. And I, I mostly just want to experience a next-gen game because even though we have these consoles, I, I'll be honest... I have been a little bit underwhelmed with a lot of these PS5 upgrades. Sure, you get stuff that allows you to run a bit smoother, but I gotta say, the thing I've been missing out ever since I picked up this console was the haptics. I mean, I played Astro's Playroom, which was an amazing quick little platformer a couple hours long, and I played the PS5 version of Miles Morales, so I got that, but since then, it's been what over six months. I haven't had, I haven't gotten to experience like a game with haptics, and I've been missing it. So I'm really excited to get into this one. Yeah, I think you should definitely pick this one up. I can honestly say I don't think the PS4 could have run this game. It's incredible. It's definitely a next gen game um, because of the dimension stuff. Like when you're in boss battles, you will literally get pulled into a new dimension. So they're pulling you to a brand new map, 
and it's a seamless transition. There's no loading. There's no like buffering when you get to a new scene. It's all instant. And then there's all these little portals throughout the world too that also let you hop through different dimensions. And every single one is a new map and it just switches on a dime. It's it's really unlike anything I've played and, and it definitely does feel like you need a PS5 to play this game. Nice, nice. I like the sound of that. Sounds like good news to me. Well, before we get in, I guess, Austin, to the future of gaming, if you want to put it that way, let's regress a little bit, <laughs> because a game that doesn't have uh, next-gen capabilities technically is the Mass Effect Legendary Edition. I wanted to take a couple minutes here because we spent a bunch of time in the last episode talking about Mass Effect 1 and 2, but we hadn't gotten around to 3 yet, and I want to hear your thoughts in particular real quick, because you, if I recall, you said that you didn't remember a lot of Mass Effect 3. So now that you've finished it, we should probably give the audience just a quick little updated thoughts. I mean, how is it going through Mass Effect 3? Obviously, the ending is incredibly controversial. How is that experience? Does this game fit into the trilogy? Yeah, Mass Effect 3 was really, really fun this time around for me. Um, I will say I... I was experiencing a little bit of burnout by the time the credits actually rolled. Um, I think that may have just been from doing all three games back to back to back. Um, I also had forgotten how much time you actually spend on the Citadel in Mass Effect 3. Yeah. I don't think I've spent that much time on the Citadel since Mass Effect 1. So that was kind of a, a, a pace-changing thing I had forgotten about for 3. Um, overall, though, I think 3 has some of the best character moments in the trilogy, um, Morden especially was something that really got me this time around. And I also think three does the best job of integrating the biotic powers into combat. And so the gameplay for three was a real highlight for me. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the gameplay is the best it's ever been in that game. The story moments, I think just by the fact that a lot of these characters have their final moments kind of just leads to some great storytelling. Obviously the Morden one that you mentioned was really cool and it even like kind of let me appreciate the little moments because in the past when I had played through, I had basically in Mass Effect 2, I would talk to the characters enough to get their loyalty mission, but I would never talk to them after that because I assumed there was nothing more to talk about. And in this playthrough, I just kind of kept, you know, talking to people in between missions and I got to the last Morden conversation in 2, which is where he sings this song. You find out that Morden can actually sing and I was yeah. like, oh, this is pretty cool. And then... Only if only if you talk to enough in two will he in his final moments sing that in Mass Effect three and I was like, oh god, this is good. <laughs> um, but other than that, I had a blast playing through it. I love the Mass Effect three DLC, so it was again super cool to have quick access to those. And I gotta say, you know, I think they did a pretty good job of patching that ending all those years ago because while it's still a little bit underwhelming. I do think it does a pretty good job of making the ending a bit more palatable and kind of getting you excited for a future game, which we know is coming eventually. So I'm, I'm really glad that they included all these games in one package with a Legendary Edition. I had a blast playing through three. I definitely did experience the burnout you mentioned by the end, but I still had a blast, so it was fun. Yeah, and I think the ending this time around worked for me. I think the best it has of all my playthroughs. The synthesized ending is what I picked. And it just really worked this time. I, I wasn't upset by it. I was really happy with my decisions. Um, and I felt like I left my squad in a really good place by the time I was actually watching the recap. And that was the thing I was most happy about whenever the credits did roll on the game. Yeah, me too. This was um, out of probably four full playthroughs that I've done. This was the first time that I picked not the destroy ending, just because while the destroy has tons of 
casualties. I just never felt good about the other ones. And this time I went with something different. Still didn't feel great about it. There's a lot of trust you have to put into people you don't know in order to pick that. But I went with it and I'm kind of with you. I, I felt super satisfied with the end and where it leaves the characters. And honestly, when it comes to the new Mass Effect game that they're teasing that does take place in the Milky Way galaxy, meaning it will continue the story in some way, I'm just curious how they continue from here is there like a canon ending that we don't know about that they'll have to announce beforehand like i'm super curious what that will look like yeah i'm I'm really wondering if um if it's gonna look for your save like your legendary edition save and then carry that into the new edition i'm just not really sure what they're gonna do because theoretically there's so many different outcomes of where people's characters could be and who could believe and who could still be alive within the milky way galaxy at the moment so I'm not sure how you continue this series in, in the current galaxy. I'm so curious to see. Yeah, I think that's why people have been talking about that it was very purposeful to have Liara be the only character we see in that trailer because the Asari lived so long. This game could take place so many years later that they don't have to worry about who's alive and who's dead except her. So that could be a factor. And I'm, I'm curious, maybe at the start we don't get to like like import or save, but maybe we get to pick the ending that we had in uh, Mass Effect 3. Maybe they'll let us, hey, whenever you played 3, did you pick um, Control, Synthesize, or Destroy? Because there will be elements of that that carries over in this game that takes place years later. I guess we'll see. But they didn't announce it at E3, Arnie, so I simply don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I was looking for Mass Effect. We didn't get it. Uh, Speaking of E3, though, Matt, should we get into the main topic for today's show? Let's get into it, Austin. It's time for the main topic. E3 returned this year after a hiatus in 2020 due to COVID-19. So what do we think of all these conferences? Were there any standout games to look forward to? And were there any major things missing that we were hoping to see? It's time to get into it. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy really jumped out at you. What do you think about this press conference? Yeah, I thought this one was pretty cool. I think this played during the Square Enix conference, and this was without a doubt, um, like, the best thing they showed. (laughs) Everything else seemed pretty underwhelming, or they just didn't show their heavy hitters like any of the Final Fantasy, like, mainline games. So this was their big thing. They did a whole, like like big trailer for it that included cutscenes, and then they spent a lot of time showing gameplay. So I would say Guardians of the Galaxy was their big, here you go. And I hadn't heard about this game. After the fact, I looked into it, and apparently there was some rumors that this game was being worked on, but luckily I'd never seen them. And just watching through these trailers, I really dug it. Um, it's funny because when I first watched through and they show the gameplay and they reveal that you only play a Star-Lord, I gotta be honest, I was pretty disappointed. I was like, doesn't that defeat the purpose of all these characters that have such like a variety of movesets and just the way they, and their arsenals are also different? But then when they got into it, I was like, okay, this is actually pretty cool. So you play as Star-Lord, but then in every single fight, you have access to all the characters, and as their quote-unquote captain, you get to call out all their moves. And whenever you do that, it goes into slow-mo, kind of a la Final Fantasy VII Remake that we talked about a little bit ago, and you can select which moves they do, and it seems like each character has special moves that will be 
very useful in certain situations since Star-Lord kind of, he can fly around, move quick, and shoot, but other characters have, like, elemental abilities and stuff, so it seemed pretty cool. I mean, what were your initial impressions from these two trailers they showed? Yeah, this one was a huge surprise to me. I had no idea it was happening. Um, The actual gameplay and, like, hanging out on your ship with the Guardians was the most intriguing part to me about this trailer. Um, the actual playing as Peter, his combat didn't look really fun. Like fighting as him, he just really has his two blasters and his jetpack yeah. stuff. So like he didn't really look that fun to play as, but bringing in the guardians and stuff looks really cool in combat. I was actually reading too that apparently team members are fighting in real time alongside you. So if they're busy in combat and you try to command them, they're not always going to react in the way that you expect. So it's not just like your team members are a tool, like they're actual, their own autonomous beings. So I'm really curious to see how that plays into the combat. And yeah, to that point, um, based on what you're talking about, one of the big aspects of the game, which is kind of ironic because Telltale made a Guardians of the Galaxy game, a la, you know, like Telltale's The Walking Dead, The Wolf Among Us, all these games which are all about choice. And this one has those elements still. And I would bet money, Austin, to your point, I think one of the big things will contribute to it is if throughout your game if you have a negative relationship with rocket for example then maybe whenever you call out for rocket to attack somebody it'll just be like fuck off i'm gonna do my own thing so that's gotta play into it somehow i have to think like your relationship with each character and them like the level that they'll listen to you i think that's gonna be pretty tied together yeah and i was also really interested in the setting and how this is going to play into the marvel universe because this isn't an adaptation of the movies it's square enix's own take on the guardians of the galaxy and their developers are saying that this is actually set a few years after um, what they're calling the Galactic War. And they were um, clear to specify that that's not the Infinity War. So it's their own take. There was a huge Galactic event. And now we're seeing what the Marvel Universe looks like after whatever the whatever the Galactic War was. Yeah, it's. Um, I was reading that basically this game is just another game in the deal that Square Enix and Marvel like came to so like whenever you look at square enix's avengers game that came out whenever that was last year maybe um obviously that one was not received too well um that was the first game and this was another game that they talked about making so though neither of these are in the mcu obviously so it's like their own take on the characters which i actually think is pretty exciting to your point because whenever they're saying yeah it it takes place in this war setting but it's not the infinity war it's like okay so different things could happen and just one random thing that came to mind when i read that was whenever i played telltale's guardians of the galaxy i'm gonna go ahead and say this because it happens in the first five minutes of the game so not a major spoiler but literally that game opens with the guardians fighting thanos and then you kill him so the Guardians kill Thanos, oh, wow. and then he is like a bounty that they essentially take in to get paid, and then Thanos stays dead. So certainly very different from the MCU. So it kind of, this reminded me of that. It's like, this is going to be their own take on it, which sounds pretty cool to me, because obviously these characters are super engaging, especially together. So seeing what story they tell is going to be pretty cool. Yeah, and just having like an open world game in Marvel's galactic universe sounds really cool to me too so i'll definitely be picking this one up i hope they come up with more fun gameplay for peter quill um but of course this was just a demo so i'm sure there's tons of moves you can unlock through upgrading him and stuff that's going to make him seem more fun yeah i think you're probably right um and on top of that austin we have another team-based game but this one i think will involve a bit more cooperative and multiplayer play so how about austin you tell me about back for blood Yeah, so Back for Blood was at the Warner Bros. conference. Um, They weirdly didn't really show off the core gameplay. They came to show off their multiplayer 
PvP uh, swarm mode, which is what they're calling it. Um, essentially, what that is is it's you play in teams. Uh, one one side controls the ridden, which is the monsters, and then another side controls the cleaners, which are the um, the actual humans who are fighting the monsters in this new game. Yeah, I mean, just straight straight up, um, you kind of mentioned it. I, I thought this sucked. Um, not not the gameplay or what they showed. It's just the fact that Warner Brothers, like whenever I first read that, Austin, this goes back to what we talked about either a month or two ago, which is what's actually happening to WB Games now that um, they've been essentially bought by Discovery. And so whenever I saw, oh, wow, there's a WB Games panel. That's cool. And then later they just said, oh, it's only back for blood. I was like, oh, OK, that's kind of weird. Well, I'm excited to see back for blood. And then they show like a 20 minute conference conference in quotes which is just this one mode i was like oh that's a little bit disappointing i mean it looked cool it looks fun i'll definitely try it out but it was just i think a little bit lame in the scope of everything we saw the fact that we only saw one mode for this that's come and it's coming out so soon too yeah and honestly i know you said the gameplay looked fun i honestly found this whole reveal pretty underwhelming too i don't know why they came to show this because nobody plays left for dead games for their pvp modes people play it for the cooperative um, fighting zombies with your friends stuff. So I don't know why they brought this to show off at E3. Yeah, and I know we've already seen all the good kind of Left 4 Dead-esque stuff that Back 4 Blood's going to have in other trailers, but still it would have been cool to see maybe like an extended 20-minute segment of that in action with four people like actually playing co-op just to see how it might go. Because I know you, myself, and Keith, obviously, whenever we talk about Back for Blood in the future, we'll have to have Keith talk about it because he's a huge Left 4 Dead fan. I know we're all excited to play together, but this just wasn't a great showing. Um, I am super excited for the game still, so luckily this didn't sour my expectations or hopes for that, but it, it definitely was, <laughs> I mean, it was awkward for sure. Yeah, so I'll just run, I'll just kind of run down for everybody listening what the swarm mode is in case they missed this trailer. So it's, it's PvP, like we've said, um, you play the best of three rounds. So the cleaners scavenge supplies and fortify positions, and they try to survive for as long as they can. And then the people on the Riddens team try to el- try to eliminate the cleaners as fast as they can. And the longer you survive, the playable space shrinks, kind of like Battle Royale, um, and the horde sizes also increase the longer a match goes. So you play best of three. Uh, whichever team, when they are the cleaners, has the longest survival time, they actually win the gameplay. It sounds intriguing. It's just kind of like you said, I... I- I'm glad that these games like Left 4 Dead and this have all these modes for different people to enjoy. But I think for you and me, it's just I don't really care. I just want to get in and play the cooperative stuff. And that's all I can really say. I mean, it sounds interesting. I'm gl- like I said, I'm glad there's variety, but it just doesn't really cater to my personal taste, I guess. Yeah. And and, uh, and before they did close out the conference, they did at least show an extended trailer for the main co-op mode. Uh, no actual gameplay, just another trailer. But I did notice that there did look to be a few different like giant kaiju style monsters in there so maybe those are boss fights those look pretty fun and then also this trailer kind of did specify that the cleaners who you're playing as are like professionals like this is what they do in this world they go in and they fight zombie hordes whereas in the left for dead franchise you were kind of just playing as survivors so i was actually a little intrigued as to how that aspect of these people being professional zombie fighters is going to play into the story yeah and i know a lot of people don't talk about the story when talking about stuff like left for dead but I think the three of us, we always actually kind of appreciated it, the way they had a little bit of carryover and there was a pretty clear through line between all these, I guess you would call them vignettes, kind of, at least the way the games, both the first two games presented that story. I always thought it was pretty cool. So 
any kind of difference or shake up to that formula that makes Back for Blood stand out. I'm super excited to find out what that is. Yeah, me too. Um, and yeah, the Left 4 Dead always had like a funny story too. So I yeah. do hope they, it, in the trailers, they have had like a lot of one-liners and stuff. So I hope they're finding a way to make it funny too. I think they will. They're going to try at least. Whether it will pay off, I guess we'll see. Okay. Um, so speaking of new additions to franchises, there was a trailer for Elden Ring, which is, I think, a spiritual successor to the Dark Souls franchise. Matt, tell me about this one. Yeah. So this one was pretty cool. I've, I've been hearing about this one for what seems like forever, but I was surprised to learn it's only been like two years. Um, the reason this game has kind of become infamous, though, is because there hasn't been a single update on this game in that two years. Like, so it's never like, oh, sorry, you won't see us at this E3 or this conference or whatever. Like, they just stayed radio silent, which kind of created this uh, fan base. Like, where's Elden Ring? And they finally dropped the trailer with gameplay, with cutscenes, and a release date. And so, yeah, Austin, like you said, this is essentially another entry from the studio, from software that makes Demon Souls, Dark Souls, Bloodborne, Sekiro. So it, it's that company. It's that. It's, it's that style of game. And I've only played the first Dark Souls. So why am I here talking about it? Because a the setting looked beautiful, and you have a little guy. Maybe you've heard of him, George R. R. Martin from Game of Thrones, who's basically come aboard to this team to write some of the lore and create some of the world building for this game in particular. And I just thought that seemed like a pretty damn cool team up. And watching the gameplay, I gotta say, I think this might this might be the game that gets me into this whole like Soulsborne style of play. And if I like it, then I want to try out the rest of them. So. I guess the main reason I'm bringing up is just because the trailer was really damn cool to me. So I know you haven't played these games either. I mean, did this one intrigue you? Is this going to be the one that gets you into this series? Or is it still going to be you'll wait for something else that comes along maybe in the future? Yeah, um, George R. R. Martin's involvement is certainly intriguing to me. Um, I heard that he, I did hear he's involved, but hasn't finished it yet. He can't finish anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, Um but no, th this trailer, like you said, was beautiful. Beautiful, but still gloomy. Like, it's definitely a Dark Souls setting from the gameplay I've seen of that. My brother-in-law actually gave me the entire Dark Souls collection to play on, on PS5, so I am going to be diving into that soon. You and I may have to do an episode whenever we play through those. That'd be cool. Um, but, but yeah, I think I'll definitely be picking this one up. The monsters look insane. Like, there was one guy that had, like, a dragon arm in the trailer, which just looks crazy, and it, it, this looks like another game that's really can only run on the new generation of consoles. Absolutely. And I'm all, I always love whenever developers just wait. And it's like, we're not going to show anything until we have a plan. And whenever that, whenever the end of the trailer popped up and it said it's coming out this January, it was like, okay, cool. I, I always hate whenever trailers are like, here's what we're showing. And then you have to wait <laughs> like three years. It's like, what's the point of that? Yeah. So I like that they were, um, you know, we're going to wait. And the trailer looked great, and they had a release date. The gameplay looked awesome on top of that. So I thought this was just one of the better showings throughout any of the conferences. So this was awesome. They did show a horse, too. And it looks like the mm -hmm. horse is actually involved in combat and, like, can fly and stuff. So that was pretty cool to me, too. Yeah, they're definitely leading into some of, like, the weirder elements of fantasy, it seems like. So I'm definitely excited for that. I don't, I, yeah, when it comes to like TV and movies, like realistic quote unquote fantasy can be cool, but for video games, why not just lean into the weird? So I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Did you see that like giant troll thing in the trailer with a bell for a head? Yeah. Like carrying a swinging fireball. <laughs> what was that? Everything looks so cool, <laughs> even though the designs are so bizarre. Um, but yeah, so Elden Ring, I think is going to be cross-platform. 
Um, so if you have Xbox One, the new Xbox, PS4, PS5, whatever, you can probably play this one. But Austin, I don't want to talk about cross-platform anymore. People have been saying it to us for years, Austin. Matt, Austin, and Keith, why don't you guys have PS4s? Why are you wasting your time with Xbox One? There's no exclusives. Well, Xbox, I gotta say, with their entire conference, they came to play this year, Austin. They were excited for E3 to come back, and they announced not only some new Game Pass entries, but they announced, like, I don't need like 30 maybe plus exclusives that are coming. So we got to talk about this. Yeah. Xbox certainly had a day at E3 this year. Game Pass was their highlight. Every trailer they released at the beginning said playable day one on Game Pass. They are going all in on Game Pass. And why wouldn't you? I mean, I've said it before. It really is one of the best deals in gaming. Um, I still use it on my Xbox one all the time. We used it to play Outriders. Mm-hmm. Um, it They really are expanding that library, and they were definitely at E3 this year to show off that Bethesda acquisition. As they should. I mean, that was like the big thing that happened with Xbox since the last E3. So the fact that that was most of their show, unsurprising, but also awesome. Um, So we're going to talk about Starfield and Redfall here in a sec. But Matt, let me just run down some of these titles that are coming day one playable to Game Pass. Okay, okay. Okay, here are some of the ones that jump out at me. The newest entry in the Yakuza franchise, Yakuza Like a Dragon, Back for Blood, Starfield, Contraband, Somerville, Halo Infinite, the Hades port from Nintendo Switch, Shredder's Atomic Heart, Age of Empires 4, The Outer Worlds 2, Microsoft Flight Simulator, Forza Horizon 5, Among Us, Dungeons and Dragons, Dark Alliance, 12 Minutes, Origami 2, Hello Neighbor 2, and Redfall. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing about Game Pass is it's like, are there a bunch of games on there that I'm dying to play or like I was fist pumping whenever the trailers came on. No, not really, but that's what's so great about it. And I, and I know you feel the same way, which is because they're free and with, or I shouldn't say free, but because there's no additional cost on top of the game pass membership, it's like, I mean, I'll try some of these out. I would have never played. I don't think the Yakuza games, but the fact that not only is the newest available, but they uploaded the entire series. It's like, Maybe I'll try it out. Or something like 12 Minutes, a game that I've been talking about, I feel like forever, is finally coming. And not only is it coming, but I can get it with no additional cost on Game Pass. Hell yeah, I'm down. Plague Tale Innocence, like the sequel, is coming out. And I'm like, I always wanted to play the first one. I guess I will, since it's on Game Pass and there's a sequel. Halo Infinite, Austin. You know my thoughts on Halo. It's a series I've tried to get into several times, but it's just never worked. Hey, there's a big new one coming, and again, it's no additional cost. I'll give it a shot. Yeah, the biggest one for sure is I'll definitely be trying the new Halo on Game Pass. Exactly for what you said, I don't have to pay anything extra to try it out. Um, I mean, perfect example, Matt, you and I tried to dive into that shitty Rainbow Six Wildlands game a few months ago because we were looking for a new co-op shooter to play together. That game sucked. We both paid like 30 bucks for it on PlayStation, (laughs) and we can't get rid of it. It's on our consoles forever. We can't return it. Something like Game Pass, you don't have that issue anymore. Um, and I will say, too, after this uh, after this press conference for Game Pass, I know you and I both opted to go with the PS5 for our first kind of next-generation new console. After this press conference, it did have me Googling the prices for a Series X. Same here. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be thinking about that for the future. Just to have a console that runs better Xbox-wise, but also because Game Pass is here to stay. They're going to keep adding stuff, so I might as well play these games 
on better hardware. So that was kind of my whole thought on that. Um, but yeah, it's super exciting. We didn't even talk about the Bethesda stuff in there. Like you mentioned, Starfield, Redfall, those are going to be coming to Game Pass. And um, it's also cool because with Game Pass, you can go back to games that you haven't played yet. So I'm going to go. I, I never played the new Doom game, and I definitely never played Doom Eternal. So they're on Game Pass. I think I'm finally going to try them out. I've always heard good things. Why not? I've been trying out um, Wolfenstein. And I know I can get that sequel too. So there's just so many games to try. <laughs> I was just going to say, before you go play Dune, can you please play Wolfenstein so we can play the third one co-op together? Yeah, I got to finish it. Um, I've started it, but I'm on my way. I'll finish it up soon. Uh, okay, so you mentioned Bethesda there. I think it's also important to note that Xbox pretty much confirmed that everything after Deathloop from Bethesda is going to be an Xbox exclusive. Um, and they did announce two new titles, Starfield and Redfall. Let's dive into Starfield first. So they released this teaser trailer it really just shows um, an astronaut kind of on a ship going through the pre-fright sequence, and then uh, the ship takes off, and you see the Starfield logo come on. Uh, it does. They're really pitching it as like Skyrim in space. The character you play as is part of a group of explorers called the Constellation. Um, it's being the space aspect of the game is being called like humanity's last great adventure. Uh, and then I do have a quote from one of the developers saying, "It's a next-generation role-playing game." where you'll be who you want, go where you want, experience our stories, and forge your own. So really taking that Skyrim element, but putting it in space. Yeah, so my main question with this one, obviously the premise sounds great, the trailer looked really cool. I, I gotta admit, at the end of the trailer, whenever they had that great launch moment, whenever the date came up, I was like, come on, 2021, come on. Uh, and then of yeah. course they announced, we still have to wait basically a year and a half for this one. Um, but I am wondering... So thinking about Fallout or the Elder Scrolls, how does space exploration in this game work? Because obviously that's a part of it. So do I have a ship that I fly around? And it made me think of something like No Man's Sky, which I never played, but I know like the big kind of draw to that game was it was a procedurally generated universe. So you could hop in your ship, get resources and go to like infinite number of planets seemingly how does that work in this game is there like only a few you can go to do you actually control during space flight or is it just like a fast travel system like no clue but i'm super curious how they're going to handle it yeah from what i saw it kind of like you said it really sounds like if no man's sky and skyrim had a baby mm -hmm. i think that's kind of what they're going for here um i did see some other articles saying like there are different factions and stuff like that on various planets and in space that you can like align yourself with. So I think that's where the Skyrim elements come in. But like you said, like we just don't have a whole lot of information right now. The trailer looked beautiful, yeah. but it literally was just a ship taking off. So I'm definitely intrigued. I trust the developer and I think I'll for sure be picking this one up too. Me too. Absolutely. I can't wait. I love, yeah, I love Elder Scrolls. I love Fallout. So something that's basically the same thing, but in a space environment, I mean, yeah, sign me up. And then also, and then also, Bethesda did announce uh, a new first-person shooter from Arcane Studios called Redfall. So this one jumped out at me. That trailer looked super fun. And Matt, I know you're a huge fan of Arcane. I Studios. love Arcane, man. I love Arcane. Dishonored, Deathloop coming up soon. Can't wait for that. All that stuff. I love it. I can't wait. The fact that this game basically—I mean, we talked about Left 4 Dead and Back for Blood. I certainly got that aspect from the gameplay. It just seems. While we didn't see gameplay, based on the characters and maybe the story and the elements they showed, 
I feel like it could be a bit more refined, which could be cool, but still having that co-op nature. While, of course, Austin, as you know, one of my favorite parts about the Sonored and the upcoming Deathloop is Arcane has like kind of weirdly developed these unique powers. Like in this one, we see teleportation. We see like almost like a Green Lantern-esque power where somebody has the ability to create these crazy objects that can manipulate the environment. We see somebody that can shoot way better than anybody else. Like, I mean, there was crazy powers at work here fighting against vampires. And I was pretty hyped on this trailer. And the fact that we hadn't heard about it at all, it's another Bethesda game. It's another one exclusive to Xbox and Game Pass. I mean... Same studio making Deathloop, too. Like, I know. They're, they're putting out two major games almost immediately. I know. I can't wait to try this one. I think it's going to be super fun and just playing in a Left 4 Dead-esque world while still having the Dishonored slash Deathloop kind of powers. I think that's going to be pretty damn cool. Yeah, I definitely got the Left 4 Dead vibes from that trailer, too. But then after reading about it, I actually was kind of feeling some Outriders vibes, too, because it's open world. It's co-op up to four players. And all the characters have different powers, like you said. So it seems like, I mean, I know you and I both had a great time with Outriders, but I just trust Arcane to do it better. And the vampire element looks really fun. We haven't seen a whole lot of vampires in games lately. So that's something I'm excited to dive into as well. Yeah, it's a great point. I think that open world element we didn't fully know from the trailer itself, but whenever they released additional information, it was like, Okay, so what exactly does that mean? For me, it kind of tells me that it's going to focus more on a story as well. I mean, if it's going to be this open world, they must have some grand epic story to tell. And Outriders is a great comparison. We had a blast playing that game, but I mean, it, it was pretty unrefined and it felt a little bit cheap here. And Bethesda will never do something like that. I mean, maybe it'll launch with bugs here and there, but it's going to look good at least. So I can't wait for this one. I think it's going to be super cool. I also did see that apparently co-op and single player is going to be seamless and like it's going to not necessarily be drop in and drop out, but like your character will add to another player's story. And I know developers say this all the time, like drop in, drop out, seamless stuff. But this one seems like they're trying to do something a little bit new. And I'm, I'm curious to see more information on how that drop-in, drop-out aspect is going to work for this game. Me too. And also, I think, worth noting the fact that Bethesda, when it came to their new games with Starfield, they said pretty upfront, hey, that we're planning on this game coming out November 11th, 2022. Um, so there you go. Comes out exactly like 10 years or something, I think, after Skyrim, even the same date. So it makes me feel pretty confident in the release date. Same thing here with Redfall. We hadn't even heard about it, and then they immediately say summer 2022. Makes me feel pretty confident that that's when it's going to come out. So it's nice to know that we have some games that are pretty close, you know, kind of around the corner that could be really interesting and will last us a while while playing. So those are four of some of the biggest press conferences that kind of jumped out at us during E3. Um, Before we get out of here, Matt, you want to do some quick hits of just some other things that we thought were fun or cool? Yeah, let's do it. So what was uh, your first one? Yeah, Outer Worlds 2 was a big announcement that surprised me. Did you play Outer Worlds 1? No, but I know that's on Game Pass, right? It is. Yeah, that's so that's, that's one I've been meaning to play for a while, so I just haven't gotten around to it yet. But after that trailer, I'm definitely going to have to try it out. I'd highly recommend it. Outer Worlds 1 was a big surprise for me. It's so funny. The gameplay is super fun. I think you'll definitely get a kick out of it. Um, and so, yeah, Outer Worlds 2 got announced. I had no idea that was even coming. And they didn't say anything else other than the title. And then they released this trailer that was like a spoof on E3 announcements, basically saying exactly what I just said. Here's the title. We have nothing to show you, but here's kind of a funny trailer. And I I was laughing pretty hard during that trailer. 
Yeah, me too. And based on the actually based on the fact that it was playing during the Xbox conference, I was convinced at first based on the narration that this was the new Fable game that they're working on. And then as Ooh. it went on, um, and they showed Outer Worlds too, I was like, this is such a great trailer. Obviously, because a it was really funny and the world looks cool. And I don't know what it was. Even though they didn't show gameplay, they did such a great job in just a couple minutes of making what I'm assuming fans like yourself really hyped for the sequel that you hadn't heard about. And then for me, I was like, oh, wow, I've heard about that game. I guess a sequel's coming out, so I, I gotta go try the first one right away because I love the trailer too. So very effective. I think you'll really like the first one. There are some, I know we talked about Mass Effect at the beginning. There are some really funny spoofs on Mass Effect in Outer Worlds because you get your own ship and you get your own crew, um, but they, they really take some hard shots at the Mass Effect series. All right, all right. Well, I like Mass Effect, so that sounds like a good plan to me. I'm excited. I'm excited. All right, what's something else for your quick hits? Yeah, I got, I got a pretty basic one here. Um, I know you have a little bit of experience with this franchise, but Nintendo did have a lot to show off. They closed out their show with the reveal of The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2, I guess as we're kind of calling it now. We don't actually know the title yet. And everybody was really hyped on this one, obviously. One of the greatest game franchises of all time. And everybody was convinced. 2021. But they were like, no. Sorry, everybody. 2022. And not only did they say that, Austin, but then they came on right after to say, we're aiming for a 2022 release date at the earliest. And I got to say, the way they said it, I was like, I think this might be 2023. (laughs) So (laughs) you know what? Who cares? It's Legend of Zelda. Super excited. I'm glad we got to see some gameplay and some of the story. I'm obviously a huge fan of this franchise, but it sounds like we have a while to wait for this one. Yeah. Um, So I saw that stuff too. And it really seems like they're waiting for like the hardware to catch up to what they want to do with Breath of the Wild 2, because I know they've been teasing like a Switch Pro for yeah. a long time. Mm-hmm. And I know th- I saw a lot of speculation that Nintendo was going to announce the Switch Pro at E3 this year, and they didn't. So I would I would bet that the Breath of the Wild 2 will coincide with the Switch Pro release date. Uh-huh. Um, Breath of the Wild 1 is something I've always wanted to jump into. The puzzle aspect of that game always turns me off from it, because I feel like it's something I'm going to get frustrated with. It's one of those weird games. I'm trying to like think of another example right now off the top of my head. I know there's so many, but it's one of those things where it's a great game. But from someone like me that loves Legend of Zelda at its core, and I've loved it since I was a little kid, Breath of the Wild isn't a Zelda game. It's just, does that make sense? Like, it's a great game, but it's so different from the formula that it doesn't really feel like classic Zelda in a lot of ways. So... But Zelda's evolved a lot, too. It's true. So is it just like an evolution of Zelda? I think so. I think maybe they evolved too much, but I still love the game. I mean, I'm kind of just a sucker for that puzzle aspect that you're talking about because I've just loved it since I was a little kid, so I can't really break away from it. But um, there are some things here and there, like why do objects and weapons break? That seems like a really stupid decision. (laughs) But Yeah, that's something else I saw where I was like, I don't know, because that's a game, because I have a Switch. And so if I was going to get that game, it's something I would just like play when I'm like playing in bed or something. But I don't want to be frustrated if I'm doing it like trying to fall asleep. Yeah, it might be a tough one. Um, I'm honestly at this point more just excited for it because it's a direct sequel, which is something we get so rarely in the Zelda franchise. Like usually they're standalone stories. So the fact that they felt we needed to tell a sequel tells me that the story is going to be pretty damn cool. So that excites me. Um, But again... I mean, everybody seemed convinced everywhere I was reading, they're going to 
announced, guys, it's only a few months away. But then they gave us a vague 2022, and now nobody knows when it's coming out. I do think you're right, though. I think they're going to do what they did with the first game, which is they're going to try and coincide the release with the Switch Pro. So maybe they're just waiting for that to come out. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe that got delayed, not this game. Gotta drive those hardware sales. You gotta. You just gotta. So Ubisoft obviously had a presence at E3. Um, they had some Assassin's Creed stuff that was just DLC for Valhalla. Ugh. And then they showed off a new Far Cry 6 trailer that didn't impress me. And then they did have some Far Cry 6. Um, they had a new trailer with John Carlos Vecito in it as the villain. Uh, Far Cry is a franchise I've always been a fan of, but lately I've gotten pretty burnt out on it. Um, Far Cry 6 doesn't really seem to be doing anything new. We're still going to have a pretty maniacal villain and it'll be first person. But there was some interesting DLC news uh, for the season pass for Far Cry 6. Um, they are going to have a kind of a three-story DLC where you play as all the main villains from the Far Cry franchise. I saw that too. Is this VR, by the way? I don't think it's VR. I think it's, okay. it's just part of the DLC for Far Cry 6. And it's like a chaptered deal. Okay, yeah. I mean, that sounds cool. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm pretty burned out. I mean, there's very few franchises that I feel burn out the way I do with Far Cry. I mean, Far Cry 3 was one of my favorite games, like, ever, back in, like, 2012. And then 4 came out, and I was so stoked. And then it was just basically the exact same game, just with reskinned environments, essentially. And I was like, that was fun. And then 5 comes out, and it's just the exact same thing again with, like, a shittier story and a shittier villain. I was like, okay, this isn't fun. And then 6, like, they start to show off the gameplay, and it's like, it's pretty cool that Giancarlo's in this, but then it just looks the exact same again. Yeah. So I'll be honest, I don't even know if I'm going to get this game just because, like, I want to love it. If it comes out to, like, rave reviews, I'll probably pick it up, but I just have such a burnout. To your point, though, that DLC trailer did look intriguing because I'm a huge fan of Voss. Um, that's really it. I don't really care about Pagan Men or Joseph Seed from the other games, but if there's, like, a little story that involves Voss, I, I might, I might look into that because i mean that sounds pretty cool yeah and to that point it was it literally was just wide shots of the villains doing like the hear no evil see no evil uh postures but then i was reading this article that said this dlc is going to be like a roguelike style where you have to become strong enough as the villains to survive multiple levels of the villain's psyche so it sounds like it's going to be like a death and repeat style dlc but you're playing as vaz or pagan men so yeah, it's just it seems like such a weird departure. And then also they're including a remastered version of uh, Far Cry Blood Dragon in the DLC oh, as well. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, I haven't played Blood Dragon since it came out, but I love that. So maybe that'll be kind of what gets me into this DLC is just the ability to have that. Yeah, I don't know. Weird, weird, weird marketing for this yeah. game. And also Ubisoft didn't even talk about the future of Assassin's Creed. They just talked about the DLC that we already knew about for Valhalla. Yeah, I think that's because, if I remember right, they're not releasing one this year. So I think they're doing another take a year off and then we'll release one next year. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I'm always curious to hear about the future of Assassin's Creed, even if I don't like the previous game. So, you know, maybe next year we'll be talking about that. Um, speaking of Austin, though, that's a pretty good transition because I feel like we should probably, before we close out, talk about what did we want to see that we didn't. So for you, maybe it was, where was the future of Assassin's Creed? For me, it was certainly, come on, I got to get a little bit of the next Mass Effect. Um, and we didn't. Is there any like big things that stand out for you? Is there any game or just something that you wanted to see but didn't get to? Yeah, Mass Effect for sure was something I kept 
like refreshing my news feed. I kept waiting to see like new Mass Effect. We have details and that never appeared. Um, Assassin's Creed, like I said, I'm just really frustrated because there's always rumors and Ubisoft can never keep leaks under control. But there's been so many rumors of Ubisoft is resetting and going back to the old model of Assassin's Creed or Valhalla was the best Assassin's Creed. Valhalla was the best selling Assassin's Creed yet. So Ubisoft is all bought into the mo- to the model of the modern games. So I just want confirmation about what this franchise is doing for the next game. Yeah, I'm with you there. I actually kind of have a weird one that sort of ties into what you're saying. Because um, I thought it was just such a good opportunity to show like something. Um, they even had like a, before E3, like in the same week, they had like a Netflix day where they talked about all these shows and movies that were coming to Netflix. And it was actually a pretty good presentation. And Rahul Coley was one of the hosts. That's where they announced that he's going to be one of the voices in Zack Snyder's, like, Norse god anime. I was like, that sounds fucking cool. But um, <laughs> um, I wanted to see, like, where's the Assassin's Creed anime that they're gonna, that's going to be on Netflix? Where's the Assassin's Creed live-action TV show? Is there anything they can show? Like, where's the, the Halo un- show on Paramount? Where's Plus. the Halo show? Where's the Uncharted movie trailer? I'm not excited for the Uncharted movie with Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg as Sully, but I want to at least see a trailer. How are you not utilizing these opportunities to show stuff? So it's just one of those weird things. It's like, I know it's all about games, but you have, you could really elevate some of these properties by using this other media. And I thought they kind of, it was a bit of a miss, to be honest. Yeah. And on the, on the note of Uncharted, I think, um, I think Sony's presence was really missed at this year's E3. It was. um, Because they have so many titles coming up, God of War, um, that we just don't know anything about. And I I wasn't sure if Sony was going to, like, do a surprise event after E3 to kind of make their own news, especially with, like, especially with how well Xbox, like, Xbox's press conference was received. Like, there were so many articles saying Xbox has finally surpassed Sony, and I'm sure Sony didn't like all that news being generated, so I thought for sure there were some announcements coming just in the wake of those press conferences, and Sony still stayed, and Sony still stayed silent. Um, so yeah, I thought their presence was sorely missed, especially like we touched on at the beginning, just the drought of next-gen games that are currently out. Like there's not enough games to keep up with the current consoles. So yeah, that was that was disappointing to me. And then also, um, I know Rockstar never does E3. But I thought they would at least release something just along this week, just because everybody else was. And we really don't have any any confirmation about the future of Rockstar either. Well, did you did you see what they said? Like, it might have been today. Did you see the GTA 6 stuff today? Yeah, like 2024? 2025. <laughs> they said Jesus. that they're, they're planning on a 2025 launch in like a dynamic, ever-evolving world. So I guess obviously the big question with Rockstar is... Are they going to release anything between now and 2025? I don't know. But yeah, I agree with you. That was another one of those, which is like, oh, it would have been cool to see something, but didn't get around to it. Ever Evolving World sounds like they're going all in on GTA Online. Yeah, 100%. Totally agree. Especially after the flop that was Red Dead Online. Uh, we had some fun with it, but I mean, it seems like we probably should have had a little bit more, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, for um, real. Yeah, another thing that was missing, we already talked about it, but like with Back for Blood and WB Games, I, I know they got delayed, but still it would have been really cool, like a like a big event like this, to see more gameplay from Gotham Knights. Again, I know it got delayed and Yeah, I, I forgot all about that. I would have loved to have seen some gameplay from the Suicide Squad game. Again, they already have announced that DC Fandom is returning this year, so we're obviously gonna get those things at that and like the new Batman trailer, for example. So maybe they're just saving it, but again, 
still was a little bit weird. Like you could have at least showed something and then saved like maybe a bigger reveal for later in the year at DC fandom. But that was a bit um, of a personal miss for me too. Especially with it being like all virtual, like you don't need a huge presentation to do E3 anymore. You don't need a whole stadium. You don't need a big stage with all kinds of events. You really just need a trailer to stream online. So it feels like, I don't know, E3 did not seem very newsworthy this year. So like there was definitely some cool stuff from the Xbox stuff and and Redfall and and things like that was cool to see. But overall, it it was fairly underwhelming, I thought. Yeah, and it was a little bit disappointing. I mean... It's not E3's fault. I guess it's just the way the gaming landscape is right now. A lot of stuff got delayed to this year and stuff got delayed even to further years because of COVID. So they only had certain things they could show. And I mean, if anybody listening, you go back and look through what we just talked about or spent this episode talking about, it pretty much for the most part all came from the Xbox conference. And that's because I think Xbox absolutely destroyed. Like they were the one, I would say, A plus of the week. Um, Whereas the other ones arranged from like a... C to maybe a B. I mean, Nintendo had some great stuff for me personally, but I think for a lot of people, didn't Square not. Enix do Guardians during Nintendo? Like, wasn't that surprising? Uh, no, no. Square Enix had their own panel, but they did reveal in the Nintendo conference that Guardians is also coming to the Switch. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah, which I know is weird. Like, it's not common for Switch to get like mainstream games like that right away. So that was pretty big news for Nintendo. Yeah, absolutely. So it, I agree with you overall. It was just kind of a weak few days i think i think we were all expecting a few more pops whether it be from something like rockstar wb just random ones like hey here's some another trailer the new mass effect just anything here's a movie trailer based on a video game but um it wasn't a lot of newsworthy stuff i think most of that came from the xbox conference and you made a good point about xbox because i think what we said that 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 game pass announcement uh had us googling series x pricing that's exactly what they would call that a win for sure so they, they want they want people excited about Game Pass. They want people, you know, looking into the Series X. So, yeah, I agree with you. Xbox totally, I would say they won E3. And I think second was Nintendo just because they had a lot of cool announcements too. Completely agree. That's my ranking as well. Right with you there. Um, all right. Well, that's going to do it for this month's episode of Co-op Couch. Um, like we said, this is just a sideshow of the Arnies. Um, if you're new this week, we're really happy to have you. Thank you for checking us out. Our main episodes do come out every Tuesday. Uh, last week, we talked about one of Matt's favorite movies, The Mask of Zorro. And next week, we will be releasing one of our favorite bracket-style episodes. We'll be debating the best comedy ever made. And if you want to check us out further, at The Arnie's is our social, and thearnies.media is the website. Also, if you wouldn't mind sharing us with a friend, that really is the best way to help us continue to grow this show. And like I said, we'll be back next week on Tuesday for our bracket-style debate of the best comedy. That's right. Definitely looking forward to those. Also, we do have an ongoing bonus series. So if you've been checking out Loki on Disney Plus, those episodes come out every Wednesday. And Austin, Keith, and myself have been releasing all of our thoughts, including spoilers, each and every Friday. We only have two episodes left. So Loki is coming to an end. It's going to be bittersweet. I'm excited to see how this one comes together. So if you've been enjoying the show, make sure to check out our thoughts. And with that, everybody, we will talk to you soon. Have a great week. Player 2 Disconnected. 